to this. Yeah, wow. Wow. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, no, I really uh, like am. I'm not being silly. Okay, so I think we should go um, in chronological order for this. <laughs> well, um, we're doing a, probably the artiest thing we've done so far, we're doing a Derek Jarman double feature, the legendary yeah. British film, the queer filmmaker. going to say, we're yeah. doing, We're doing Jubilee, yeah. and then we're going to do Blue. All right, yep. So let's start with Jubilee, and I genuinely want to hear your thoughts on this one first. Well, I read um, that it was the only good punk film ever made, so... I was feeling a little bit um, better about having to watch it <laughs> when I went in. So I went in with like a, not not like massively high expectations, but I was like, okay, hopefully this is not too bad. And I really enjoyed it. Okay, then. Um, yeah. I, 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 I will admit, I did definitely enjoy it too, although I have certain reservations about it oh really why what what well first off let's get into like the good stuff now yeah, you, okay. you, you, you mentioned reading up on this as the only good punk film yeah which kind of surprised me a little bit because quite a bit of, well a few moments and bits and pieces of this film hearken to another legendary piece of punk cinema the rocky horror picture show oh yeah yeah. Um, uh, a couple of the cast members are in it. Richard O'Brien yeah. plays Queen Elizabeth's occultist John D. Lil Nell is in there as Crabs, and they even like name drop "Don't Dream It, Be It." Yeah, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I honestly think is kind of a nice touch, especially for like the punk yeah. aesthetic to this thing, which is like easily my favorite part of this whole thing. Like, it's such a time capsule of the late seventies punk movement. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, and I really do like love the way that it plays around with aspects of like history, where the British punk scene plays into the larger mm -hmm. um, um, sort of scheme of things, like with Queen Elizabeth going back in time to well, going forward in time forward to seeing back. just yeah, yeah, yeah. the the destruction that is <laughs> the um, the seventies. Yeah. And and as far as like its statements regarding punk, it genuinely hits on some decent ideas, like stuff that's aged like amazingly well in hindsight, like the whole idea of um, what's his name, uh, Borgia Gins, mm -hmm. the campest man in the history of the human race, <laughs> like it, it, like watching um, Orlando as um, Borgia is the act of watching someone on the verge of having their skull pop right out of their face with every <laughs> single syllable spoken. Like, yeah. and like hearing him talk about how, uh, well, basically about how like punk music is an opiate of the masses, make it loud enough and they won't hear the world falling apart, which given I came of age during the age of good Charlotte, I absolutely <laughs> get that mindset, like scarily so. And, and even and even like of the punk music of the time, you've got Adam Ant showing up, you've got Susie Sue, which still counts as one of the best puns in the history of rock, that name. And of course, um, the the whole musical number by Jane County as the lounge lizard, which, oh my God, the soundtrack for the thing is amazing. <laughs> so I'm... Um, um 
I'm curious then, what, what, what didn't work for you? What, what didn't fit right? Okay, for this, I'm going to refer to um, kind of a legendary bit of bite back here from Miss Vivian Westwood, right. who took such umbrage with this movie that she actually made an open letter t-shirt um, basically outlining all the problems with it. And reading it, it, it kind of feels like um, RuPaul's Drag Race drama, like several decades earlier. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's some choice quotes from it. Okay. Thought it, thought it the most boring and therefore disgusting film I had ever seen. Boring makes it therefore disgusting. Okay, that's interesting. Um, an insult to my virility... <laughs> Okay. Um, and uh, probably the sassiest thing in this whole thing, uh, I'd rather consider that all this grand stuff and looking at diamonds is something to do with a gay boy's love of dressing up and playing at charades. <laughs> wow. That's fairly yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know. But admittedly, like, all of that isn't so much, doesn't so much highlight my issue as much as this does. Yep. As you use the valves you give to punks as a warning, am I supposed to see old Elizabeth's England as some state of grace? Which does lead into my issue with this thing, and that's to do with um, Derek Jarman's opinion of punk. Like, he's gone on record saying he's, he's not that big a fan of the punk culture. Really? Um, he, he, he considers it to, um, well, at least in part, to be involving a lot of petty violence, stupid behavior, and also fascinated with fascism, which is the point where I have to go like, no, I can't abide this. I just can't. Because, like, being able to take, like, you know, the symbols and the iconography of, you know, what you hate, what, you know, what you rage against, and flipping it back on it is part of the punk aesthetic. It's the reason why it's called punk in the first place. Yeah. And like with the scene with um, uh, Amyl Nitrate lip syncing to that dreadful song mm -hmm. that mixes like in like British imperialistic and fascist imagery together. Mm -hmm. Like that was the main point behind like you know Susie and the Banshees and the Sex Pistols using. Um, fascist iconography because they wanted to make a direct link between that and the society they were living in. And from what I can tell, with the way that um, Derek Jarman arranges these like Kenneth Angus style, like just smashes, um, you know, all these symbols and iconography together and sees what is said by the com by combination, he seems to be conflating like the punk use of fascist iconography to make a point about like fascism in the contemporary day with punks actually being fascist which i have immense issue with especially with how this film ends mm. like hello hitler cameo what the blazes are you doing here then admittedly it kind of makes sense why he's in there it's part of the whole um you know uh, punk sort of you know devouring itself becoming um appropriated by you know the actual you know right-wing fascists which yeah, yeah, yeah. is a thing that that, that that was not only a thing at the time considering 
the National Front did actively try and co-opt punk rock back in the day. And even more recently with the legendary meme that is conservatism is the new punk rock, which is still one of the single dumbest statements I've ever heard anyone say on either side of the aisle. (laughs) It's just like, so like with me, the issue comes down to like, how to put it, the only thing worse in a film that doesn't make a point is a film that almost makes a point. That's what I because was about to say. Do you think he just missed the mark? And and like I know you said he's gone on record saying he doesn't he he thinks that punk and fascism are linked or whatever it was. But you know how sometimes like you know how people have come out and like taken sound bites from like Bill Gates saying that he thinks that it's good to vaccinate kids because it will help control the population because it will kill off kids. That's completely out of context. Is that is it possible he was taken out of context and that he wasn't trying to make that point with this film and that he but he just didn't quite make the right point? I, I uh, considering what else I know about like Derek Jarman as a filmmaker, which admittedly isn't as much as I should know. I mean, the film he made before Jubilee, Sebastian, is by design one of the gayest movies of its time. And it's kind of brilliant just because of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't think he, like, really intended to, like, make this kind of statement, but that's kind of the problem when you go into, um, like, a situation like this where you're, like, making a film all about, like, a cultural aesthetic when you already aren't that fond of it in the first place. Like, how to put it, it's like when um, Christian, like, hardcore Christian filmmakers try and depict atheists. Like, there's that certain tinge of just, you're clearly bringing this up because you do not like these people and you don't want the audience to either. Like, it had a little bit of that to it. And, uh, and I, yeah, I, 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 sort see, I sort of see where you're going, but I, it's interesting. I didn't know that and I didn't, I didn't get that kind of thing i have to admit i i'm not um really all that read up on punk culture it's not something that i ever really um have spent much time thinking about so it's it's not something that i've really i can i should i i should probably bring up that i'm not the most read up when it comes to like the original punk scene i'm more familiar with like it's offshoots like noise rock emo actually really emo that was my entire aesthetic as a teenager yeah and um like post-punk like with Susie and the banshees and like that's the stuff i'm more familiar with same here exactly like and i so I guess, like, I've, I've grown up with the, like you, I've grown up with the kind of um, the, well, yeah, post, post-punk, the, the, what, what came of the original movement. And what I, from what I know of the original movement, the lines were a bit blurry between some things. And it was pretty white. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it was pretty, um, I don't know, like... It, but that's usually how you get a movement. It has to, something has to be really quite um, profound about it. It, 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 it. You're not going to get 
a, a, a post anything unless the original format or form of it, I guess, was was really raw. And I guess that there's probably stuff that happened and things that went on before our time that maybe made people even like Derek Jarman think that there was an issue there. Do you know what I'm sort of saying? I'm not yeah, saying it quite but sometimes, sometimes these things in their rawest form and haven't been that thought out and it's just people kind of acting out against something. Not all of it is as, is as pure as, as the, I guess, the people who followed it later like to think it was. And admittedly, uh, that is part of the problem with me, like looking at it in retrospect. Because, exactly. like I said, with the thing with like Good yeah. Charlotte and and, yeah. and even like the, the the punk adjacent stuff, like how to put it, I get the feeling that Derek Jarman would, if he was still alive today, would listen to a song like "Sleep Now in the Fire" by Rage Against the Machine, which has all of this really totalitarian imagery that's meant to make you like fired up and angry at it. And would take it at face value that that's just what their politics are, which again feels like a bit of a disservice. No, totally, totally. And it, I just, I just think that, you know, we didn't live through it, and he did, and and it's possible that you know he saw something in it that that we haven't, um, you know, that we we didn't experience. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to kind of think through why somebody would make a film like this. Like, I know what you're saying about the whole Christian, you know, trying to make fun, I guess, almost, of, of people who don't believe in God or whatever. Um, but it's an interesting um, conversation. I, I, I did read a little bit up about him some more. There wasn't a lot about um, Jubilee. It was more about his work as an artist and, an, and I guess, an activist, like a gay rights activist and stuff, and, and, and a lot of... Um, work that he did in that community and a lot of films that he made, um, a lot of art that he made that was really important in that time and how outwardly outspoken he was about being gay in a time that was, um, you know, it was, it was a difficult time. And I also wonder if, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he had a run-in with some punks who bashed him up because he was gay. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe something. He, 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 that is actually a fair point. And I, and I also do feel like I need to address at this point, like I'm not going to try and like culture splain yeah, right. to Derek Jarman, a man who has contributed more to <laughs> culture at large yeah. than I ever will. Yeah. It's just that. like, And like, I think it's because like so much of it actually does work. Like the idea yeah. of this, like, you know, this fringe culture, being co-opted by the mainstream and turned into its complete antithesis, which is pretty much the run for every single counterculture movement before too long. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think it's just, I think it is just because he like he almost reaches like absolute gold in regards to that co-opting idea, but he doesn't do enough to separate that from like the you know here we go, Ponzi again, oh, the no. true punk aesthetic <laughs> compared no, to like the people who would, you know, wield it for their own benefit kind of thing. But you have to, I, I guess, I guess we have to take a few things into account. I mean, you yourself said, you know, some of the guys from Rocky Horror Picture Show and from the scene at the time were in it. So obviously they felt that there was enough, um, important about it to be involved with. Um, and also I think that 
we've seen in all the times we've been talking now and all the films that we've talked about and all the outcomes, um, particularly when somebody's been trying to make a point, it's interesting that um, we've come across films where the producers have gotten involved and taken control away from the filmmaker to a point where they didn't end up being able to make the point that they wanted to make, like, um, you know, whoop, whoop. And then, you know, sometimes you see situations where the filmmakers left to their own devices and I guess without some kind of collaboration, I don't know if he did this pretty much on his own, if he wrote and sort of did it, it seems like he probably did, that again you're getting just this one-sided, maybe not fully formed um, point coming across. So I guess um, my point there is that filmmaking, like any kind of artistic process, it's a fine line between allowing, you know, a total totalitarian situation where you just go off and do your own thing a la um, We Are The Strange or you end up in a situation where you get producers getting involved and screwing it over and but then there's sometimes there's a sweet spot where you get these um, in the middle there where, where, where these ideas get to be fully formed and made into and that's that's what makes a film great, I think, is the point I'm trying to say here. And, and, and that is a, like a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just think it's, um, and I think in those days where, where back in the 70s, a lot of people did this, you know, they just, they just got these eight millimeter films and they just went out and just went, fuck it, we'll just do it our own way. And that's, that's really important. It was really important for the industry. It's really important still now, even like the way we've, We've discussed um, what's his name? Oh, he's just um, escaped my my mind. Who did that basketball movie on his iPhone? Um, the very famous director Soderbergh. Yeah, Soderbergh. Yeah, just you know one of the most famous directors of all time. Anyway, just forgot his name. Um, um, so it's these kinds of movies are are really important um, in their in their way, especially back in this time in the seventies and the sixties. You know because we've seen what happens when you get to a situation where someone like Hollywood is just controlling all the content that comes out and it becomes so fucking bland. And I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I enjoyed it. I thought it was brave and I thought it was funny and I thought it, um, it did make some, some good points. I think it would have been extremely, um, offensive to a lot of people at the time in England. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I, like <laughs> and I really like that um about it. And I also um I saw a little bit of what I found interesting um which was so bizarre is the the Queen Elizabeth stuff and I was like, wow, this kind of reminds me a little bit of Orlando the film. And then I found out later he's actually he actually kind of grew up with and was really good friends with Tilda Swinton and um, which we will get to in the next movie, come to think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found that really, 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 um, I wondered had she gotten, when she played um, Orlando, was there some um, um, reference, not reference, but, but did she get some in inspiration from... Um, uh, I would not. I, 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 I would not be surprised, yeah. quite frankly. 
Yeah, like yeah. A lot of Tilda Swinton's work is very like gender bendy. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet that working with Derek Jarman early on, uh, it's exactly. the point where I think like Jarman gave um, Swinton her first role in a movie. Yeah, right. If I remember correctly. Okay. So that definitely would have, right. a, 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 and like, as far as Jubilee, like, as much as I do have certain misgivings about the thing, there's nothing about this that I actively hate. Like, it's way yeah. too fascinating and entertaining yeah. for me to hate it all that yeah. much. Yeah. No, that's, I guess that's what I'm saying. Um, and, and, I, and I knew you didn't hate it. I could, I could tell. Uh, and, and, I, and I get the points that you're making as well, 100%. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed it. And, and, and I watched it second. So I watched it after Blue, which was an interesting way <laughs> when you think about it like yeah um so you couldn't yeah well, well maybe that's a good segue into, into yeah so blue yeah this is- might be the least um well from how to put it i get the feeling that for some this might not even count as a film like even more so than angels in america yeah for the for the uninitiated, yeah. this film is literally just a single shade of international climb blue for like just under eighty minutes of screen time with narration over it. It's more audiobook than what most people would think of in terms of film. But did you watch it and look at the screen while you were watching it? Um, not only did I do that, I because uh, I had an interesting reaction to this okay. um be- because um the we both watched it on youtube and i noticed that there was quite a bit of like artifacting like random like squares popping up and i thought i wanted to make this like pure so i whipped open my um paint program on my computer just put it made the whole screen international climb blue and just oh stared at what was going on in the background and the effect it had is one of the most unique things I've ever experienced. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been in a sensory deprivation chamber? No, I have not, and I never would. You couldn't pay me enough fucking money, but anyway. <laughs> that's well, um, I think this film gave me a similar effect to that, because after a while of just like looking at the single shade of blue, I noticed that that wasn't all I was seeing. It was... Yeah. It's really difficult to describe. It was like every so often I'd see like little like faint watercolors, this weird imagery. I swear I saw Godzilla at one point. It's like fading in, fading out of the picture. And it's like, it was very like, I actively think I hallucinated while watching this. And while I would normally chalk that up to being an entirely me thing, the most subjective viewing experience in the world, yeah. I can't help but think that this film is designed to get that reaction because like, aside from it just being like a sensory deprivation experience, like visually, like how like incredibly surreal and bizarre the narration can get where it's like all these adventures of the color blue fighting yellow belly and like, going to like this mine where they're literally like carving words out of stone yeah. right up to the music, which he's a straight, he's a cock sucking straight acting lesbian man. <laughs> I love the soundtrack to this thing. <laughs> like all of that, like it really gives a feeling that this is like something that's supposed to 
like break visual boundaries. It's something that's actively meant to make you like get you in the mind state of like, what would it be like if, you know, this was all I could see, which itself is part of the reason why this film was made by Derek Jarman. Right, because he's because he's, he's, they told him his sight was going right, and he was um, as a result of um, him contracting AIDS, yeah, yeah. and uh, um, and I think that like that blindness was down to like color blindness, where he was only able to see in shades of blue, yeah. which uh, d- definitely adds to it. And all of like the the narration and like you know monologue, all of it sounds like the kind of stuff you would imagine happening after staring at a single shade of blue for so many for so many minutes which is pretty much what went what i went through yeah in the process of watching this yeah absolutely no i totally agree and i think as a as a as a film and i i would count it as a film because i think it's designed to to kind of almost create his experience in a way and so it i mean it's a very artsy film as we mentioned at the beginning but but it it um it certainly is impactful um and interestingly i found it i was a bit when you when you mentioned it first and you you told me what it was and i was like what i don't know if i want to sit through this i thought it might be a bit depressing and like it is like in a way it's it's sad but I didn't feel I didn't feel like he was being self-indulgent like you could this could really easily become a really self-indulgent thing to do I'm just going to put a blue screen up and talk about how it feels to have AIDS like that can you know what I mean but um yeah yeah but I didn't feel like that I actually really felt drawn into it and I didn't, like, it wasn't like I felt particularly sorry for him. Even though I was talking about losing his sight and everything, like, it, it was it was the really difficult things to deal with. I didn't, I just found it really super interesting. And, yes, sad, but not, I guess not in a awful, depressing kind of way. Just in a, wow, that was really impactful. It's more, it, 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 it's more like meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a meditation. Uh, 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 having AIDS like it's really weird like and I just I liked it I liked yeah, it. yeah it's just uh, <laughs> you know gone I I was just gonna say I just um it, it, it's just well like even though like my own visions while looking at this were stuff like you know just like um like these weird angular shapes that just like appear for one second and then disappear mm. Skylines Godzilla again and all these other like like I swear I saw Mothra as well at one point <laughs> like even though like, it was like, all this like really out there imagery, both like from what I subjectively got out of it and the narration, yeah, it's one of like it's weirdly soothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like there is something like you could definitely have this on in the like have like the meditation session, and you you would like walk away just like I'm floating on air. I'm yeah. I'm walking behind the sky, like that kind of thing. Yeah, which it's interestingly is very what... interesting as a thing, and yeah. and like the reason, the the reason why I specified earlier why like like some people may not consider this film. Um, I, I specified that because I totally do because yeah. it's only through 
the visuals that any of this even makes sense to begin with. Like, it's only because of this single shade of blue that someone, like, so many years earlier, like, literally invented on their own. Um, like, that's the only way that any of this, like, really resonates, because, like, through the process of, like, just staring at this thing of blue while all, while all of this, like, some, some of it based on Jarman's actual experiences, some of it based on daydreams, some of it, I don't even know where the fuck it came from, like the um, cock-sucking, straight-acting lesbian man thing. Like, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure where that came from. Um, but, like, it's only through that experience that you really get into the mindset of Jarman himself. And honestly, it's because of this film that I'm, like... Well, it's part of the reason why I'm still, like, as kind towards Jubilee as I am. Because, like, through watching this, it really became clear that, like, he's not, like, hateful. He's not really all that venomous. He's just, like, he's more of an observer than anything else. Like, capturing these little things. It was and, like a stream like, of consciousness. Like, it was, like, just a, you know, an almost like a dumping of just stuff in his head. Like, it, it didn't seem to be not that it was incoherent or anything but that it it, it was just like a, <laughs> some of it was some of it was incoherent it's just I, I was about to say stream of consciousness incoherence just like splattering all of what's in one's brain down yeah that's pretty much how i write everything yeah, when it comes right. to movies yeah. So that's probably part of the reason why this vibe with me i'm like yes yeah. i'm not crazy the style actually works yeah, but I think that's why that like it, that that meditative thing you talk about. It's almost like having someone sit down next to you while you're lying down somewhere and like just read their journal to you. Just their, their uh, which admittedly kind of where the script for this came from. Like right. a lot of this comes from uh, Derek Jarman's well, you know, journal writing. Yeah. Okay. Which, uh, um, yeah, which which does make sense, and. I I have to admit, like between between this and Jubilee, like we pretty much covered the bracket of this yeah. man's entire career. Yeah, I know. It's like right from time. like yeah. the early independent, like you know, literal punk years, right down to his what, what is basically his last testament. Yeah, because this yeah. is indeed the last thing he would end up creating. Exactly, which I did. I didn't realize again when you when you. Um, suggested the films and then when i realized i was like oh we're sort of looking at like the beginning and the end you know in a in a in a really interesting way like a really interesting way it's like i'd like to now go back and and watch some of the um the stuff in the middle actually you there hello Uh, yeah i'm still here oh yeah so yeah that that I, i i like i like um, I don't know if that you did that on purpose or by accident, but I certainly um, thought that was a cool way to. I'm willing to bet that. Um, I'm willing to bet that uh, my reasoning for suggesting this as well um, that definitely had to do with the fact that we did um, Angels in America last time, and this one is also somewhat of a Fantasia on national. Th- well on gay themes more specifically, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it definitely touches that same sort of just like that, you know, the very specific perspective you get, like this is a very 
queer perspective or not just like the um you know the you know the the health side of things but more just like a way of viewing the world which <laughs> i'd like to think i'm at least trying to contribute in the same way oh. maybe one of these days but well <laughs> well it's important it's important to get these perspectives and it's interesting to get a perspective that's spanned um you know over 20 years it's unfortunate that he died so young because we could have it would have been interesting to see what he um, he went on to do, but I do think that um, that blue is a really really important what piece of work. Um, it's not something that I think most people would kind of sit and watch for fun, but it's a bit like um, I don't know. Yeah, the, 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 this like is very much memoir or something. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. yeah the, the, this is very much an art film. Yeah. As far as you have to approach it on the basis of like a piece of art as opposed to just entertainment. Although admittedly, it is quite entertaining for um, quite a few reasons. Um, <laughs> like you know, because of the imagery, because of the you know, frequent weirdness of it, and I really yeah. like the abstract ideas of just like of like the color blue as an you know anthropomorphized being yeah. literally watching the birth of language like literal quote mining like that on its own is just like yes psychedelic yeah. it's like taking drugs but i don't need to take drugs yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, I should probably mention that That's the um I, sh I should definitely bring that up. And during my whole hallucinatory episode, I was 100% sober. <laughs> so that was definitely not contributing to it. I imagine if I actually did take something and watch this, oh, no, I no. probably would have, I would have had a similar reaction to where the dead go to die and just <laughs> blacked out at one point. And then all of a sudden I find myself with a shoe on my nose and a <laughs> trumpet up my ass going like, what am I doing? But... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As I, I would, I would not recommend um, taking any hallucinogenic drugs and watching this film. Um, no, definitely don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> not a good idea. I don't think. I'm not from personal experience, but I would imagine. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I imagine so as well. And like, and again, as much as like, I do have you know reservations about Jubilee as far as like punk movies. I honestly do prefer Rocky Horror, especially since the whole plot of that is basically what punk is, cannibalizing of like old rock and roll tropes injected with all kinds of queer weirdness to create punk. Yeah. Um, but with this, there really isn't anything I can compare this to. Like there's nothing else that, I, I almost said nothing else looks like this, but that's <laughs> not entirely what I'm like. Nothing else, like as far as like cinematic experience, like actually sitting down and looking at a you know a piece of art for however long. And again, it's only eighty minutes, and it doesn't even manage to get boring within that time, exactly. which I find kind of miraculous as someone with raging ADHD. Um, <laughs> but Can you imagine watching it at the cinema. Gosh, that would be weird. Um, I, I couldn't imagine watching it at the cinema. I could imagine watching it at a museum. Yes. I could definitely, I, I think this actually is on display at, um, some kind of, um, British museum. I can't remember exactly which, but it's like, that's the, that's the kind of atmosphere that this scene kind of exudes, totally. I guess. Yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of, it's 
less film strictly as much as it is like an art installation yeah, and it's a hell of an impactful one especially yeah. considering like again there is nothing else like this and for Derek Jarman to like go out on this note yeah. of this note of just like this is what I'm going through you know here's the list of people that I know that have also died through what from what I'm going through yeah. here's all my fantasies here's all my imagination um spawns here's some of the funniest music you'll ever hear it's, it's just i cannot get over that line it's just like when i die i want that song at my funeral okay. i want I, I i want a chorus of of guys just belting that one out as the coffin gets lowered it's just like that that would be perfect and oddly enough in keeping with the tone of this piece <laughs> and, and and like and like between how much I like seriously love blue, like I honestly think that I found another new favorite here, and how much like just how much of a genuine conversation Jubilee um, got out of us, or even just out of like me, just like trying to go with like I feel this, but I also feel this. I seriously think we need to revisit this guy at some point. Well, I'm I'm really grateful to have been introduced to him. Um, I I had never heard of him before. I think I might have heard of him, but I'd certainly never watched um, any of his stuff. So yeah, that was um, very cool. And yeah, I'd be cool. I'd be interested to look yeah. at. Yeah. Although middle catalog. For the time, um, for the time being, I have other ideas. Okay. For our next episode. Well, let me just, um, <laughs> let's wrap this up then, and I'll stop recording. Right. So. So they were great. Thank you for that. Very interesting. Very different. Nice um, little artsy, um, queer artsy <laughs> double feature. And high five. <laughs>